Hey, dude, this dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. you pet stylists you found the groom pod welcome to our virtual salon my name is Susie, and i'm your host i'm a mobile groomer from seattle washington and anyone who knows me will tell you i love to talk especially about my job one of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show miss barbara bird hey Susie. What's up this week? Oh my goodness, I have to get the rowboat out to make it out to the trailer because it is dumping buckets of rain and I'm thinking that perhaps summer is not going to ever show up here. Usually it doesn't show up till July 5th anyway, but at this point it looks like there is no light at the end of the tunnel here. Welcome to episode 338 of the Groom Pod, recorded on May 29th, the day you can officially put your white shoes, well tomorrow's the day you can officially wear white shoes at least until Labor Day, and pants and dresses. Well, for everybody else, but not for me anyway. This podcast is brought to you by our kind sponsors, Best Shot, Show Season, Evolution Shares, Groomore, and Stazco. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can go to our website, thegroompod.com, and use the donation button or join us on Patreon. This week, we're going to talk about runaway drama, what happens when the dogs get loose, woof, and styling sprays. This week, What's New is brought to you by Groomore Software. If you're looking for a software solution for your shop, mobile, or house call, Groomore is it. It has online booking and online forms and intake or matted dog forms, payment processing, reminders and wait lists, inventory, routing, calendar and QuickBook syncs, and most importantly, 24-hour service. And they've given us a great offer. You can switch over to Groom More and try it for two months at half off. Just put in the code GroomPod. You know, I often think of us as the Lucy and Ethel of dog grooming. When we are, although the Lucy and Ethel roles do switch back and forth a little bit. I, I know they do. I know. Sometimes I'm an Ethel. And sometimes I'm an Ethel. It's really funny. It's just... I had my very own I Love Lucy moment, and I'm sorry you weren't there to, to see it, but I'm going to describe what happened. I was grooming a, a lovely ragdoll who gets a nice medium-sized haircut, and I finished up the cat. And I put him in the carrier and I texted the owners and I went outside to turn off my generator because it's a generator stop and put my cord away. And I've been grooming as a mobile groomer like 17, 16, 17 years, right in the middle there, right? And I have never had this happen. But I walked over to the back of my Explorer, which is where my generator sits, and I noticed that my plastic cat carrier was a little close to the generator. So I reached in there to push the cat carrier back, and I didn't notice, but my down vest touched the hot generator, right Ah. right at the exhaust port. So feathers flew everywhere. It looked like I had killed a chicken. (laughs) And I didn't know where it was coming from. I'm like, oh my God, what happened? Why are there feathers coming out of my generator? And I looked down and I saw the huge melted hole in the front of my vest. And so I opened up to peek in there and the rest of the feathers flew out. (laughs) So I was bummed because that was, it turns out, you know, the newer down vests, they call them puffer vests. Because they don't have any down in them anymore. And I got this one on the last cruise and it was bright pink and everybody could see me when I rode the horse because it was so pink and nice and toasty and I could wear it while I worked. And now I've got this huge, I look like a homeless person with this huge melted spot. (laughs) Pink vest. You're still wearing it, aren't you? For the moment, but I ordered a new one. It's not, it's your color. It's not my color. It's turquoise. Oh, but it was $30 cheaper because apparently that color wasn't selling fast enough or something, but it was only $23 in turquoise. Whereas if I would have gotten it in one of my more traditional black colors, uh, dark gray, black, dark blue, something that I could really get dirty because I get things very dirty when I'm working in them. I probably 
would have spent $30 more. So I took the savings and I will think of you every time I put this vest on because it's totally your color. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, uh, let me tell you about my surprise. All right. Remember I told you I bought those uh, expensive Ashley Craig products? Yes. And she called and uh, tutored me on how to use them and made me use her shampoo and even gave me a small bottle of her shampoo. Right. Well, in spite of my little attitude going in, Susie, I, I fell in love with the product. Still, even a, even another week later, because you told us a little bit about them last week. You know, really, uh, and now I've pretty much used up. So now I've got the, you know, like, I love the results I get from these products. Now, I can't, yeah. They get a ding. So I, I, you know, I can't justify using them on every dog or every other dog or maybe even other people's dogs. But I, you know, I have three white dogs. Yes, you do. Three? And three. I have one Bichon and two Maltese. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Belle, we can't discount her. So um, I have to decide if I'm going to, like, put out the money to buy more or... Uh, just let it be there that I know that that could be even better. I mean, the difference between wowza and wow is not much, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I'm, it's not that I'm unhappy with my other choices in whitening and brightening coat, but um, there's a, just a level of cleanliness that happens with this system. So I'm very tempted to just like, buy this sort of like an expensive dessert or something like that. I know. It's just for a special treat. Yeah, for a special treat. And, I, and you know, the way that it's used, it, it's really used by hand. You have to mix it by hand. Then you have to apply it by hand. And then you have to wait 10 minutes for it. It's just not um, viable for a, a busy day. But like yesterday, we only had three dogs, so I brought Marco down to be groomed, and we used it on him, and he just looks so lovely. And i probably get some more for my own dogs. So maybe if you were competing on competition day, you might want to choose this. Oh, yeah. I can really see it for show dogs. I can really see it for show dogs. I can really see it for competition groomy dogs. Um there's a place for everything and everything for its place, you know, but uh, it's that I'm, I'm sure other groomers have written about falling in love with expensive products and then having to decide whether to buy more or not. In this case, yeah, I just have to give them the Ashley Craig Whitener Brightener system a big shout out. Did it smell nice? Yeah, it smelled fine. I, it's not overly fragrant. When you're grooming show dogs, you take the time. And and here's the deal. When you're grooming show dogs, you love a ritual, you know, and this is very ritualistic. It's got to have distilled water. It's got to be applied to dry coat. It's got to sit 10 minutes. It's just this whole ritual that you go through. That's very much, you know, like, like wearing the lucky socks. Yeah, wearing the lucky socks. It's like you wear those socks once and you hit a home run. You're going to wear those socks every damn game you play from then on. Well, we had a mobile grooming roundup at Cascade Grooming Supply this time. It was a lovely, sunny day, and we chose to have it at Michael's. And because of the price of gas and because we're spread out uh, geographically quite a bit more by traffic than by miles but the traffic can really slow you down and the gas prices will certainly offend everyone. If they're not offending everyone, you're not driving. (laughs) Yeah, so what's happening to the mobile groomers with this price of gas going as crazy? People are raising their prices. Permanently raising their prices or putting in a gas tax kind of thing. 
I think that the majority are raising their prices at this point. What with inflation on top of it, I think that you've got to do your math again right now. It's important to know how much it costs you to groom a dog, what your expenses are when you're a mobile groomer. Because when there is a fluctuation in gas and in supplies in general, where everything is going up, you really do need to double check your numbers and make sure you're making money because we're not in this just for fun even though it is fun. We are supposed to be making money. I, you know, $100 to fill up my tank every time. I do it three times a week. It's painful. Well, you know, I I had a different take on pricing because I groomed this little kind of mix named Oompa. I met Oompa. You, You met Oompa, and he's got these kind of papillon butterfly ears that I love. And he belongs to a woman who works for the government. And she is now uh, stationed or working out of Washington, D.C., and she's moved there. But she comes back here because her sister is here and she owns a home here. And then I groom Oompa. Well, I groomed Oompa yesterday. He's here for a month. And I charge $75 for Oompa, and she usually tips me like 20 bucks. And I noticed that he had been groomed since I last groomed him and that somebody did a pretty good job. It wasn't my job, but it was a really decent groom. And she said, yeah, but it's so expensive there. You can't, can't imagine. I said, well, what do you pay for Oompa there? So I charge $75. She pays $110 to get this under 10 pound dog groomed once a month. He never has a mat. He never, he's never anything more than a little dirty. And uh, I mean, there's just like no extra work. In fact, you kind of less is more on Oompa. You just kind of take him short and tidy and you don't do his ears too much unless they just get uh, straggly and then you even them up. Careful to keep the trim that we've got going. And, you know, like they didn't mess him up at all. And it's it's $110 to do this little dog. Like, holy guacamole, that's kind of mobile pricing. But she was a little put out about that. And I said, but can you imagine what the overhead is for, you know, like what you pay in rent and what they have to pay in rent to have a shop? Location, location, location. Location, location, it's it. And when you're mobile, you've got to get what you've got to get. And you mentioned the other way, which is the surcharge. And I know a couple people, our mutual friend Pam included, who used to say anytime it got over $5, then there would be a surcharge on top of it. And I can't remember if she put $5 on or something like that. I haven't done that yet. I want to see if it's going to stay up. If it stays up, then I probably will. But For the most part, I have an open dialogue with my clients, so I can just say, hey, you guys, if you want to throw a little extra towards the gas money at this moment, it wouldn't be refused. That's the only thing that I would do at this point with my group, but, you know, but I know them all, and then I'll hit them with a $10 up later and make it all up at once. When you have a regular clientele that tips really generously. It's harder to up the charge when you know that they're suffering too. Yep. So many of my clients tip generously. Mine too. I kind of consider that when I'm raising prices. I do too. And especially for a surcharge situation where the gas has gone wacky. Yeah. Yeah. It's an individual thing. They're my people. I know who's got the money. I know who doesn't have the money. I know who's getting hit really hard and others who may not be getting hit hit so hard. And yeah, I just moved my two Westies in Seattle to the same day. I used to do them at different days because, you know, it's all about getting my days off so I can ride my horse, 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 horse um, right now. <laughs> so I've used to do them separately because it's my next door neighbor from my childhood and she makes me lunch every time I go and it's really good lunch. So I split the dogs apart. Her kids make a lot of money. I think they're both attorneys. And so I was like, you know what? Why are we doing these dogs on different days when it's all because we don't want to do the one dog as often as the other? But really, let's do them both often And we'll just keep them like that. So I moved them to the same day. Grandma says, 
they have more money than we do. Move the dogs. <laughs> I was like, okay, Betty Lee, <laughs> I'm on it. There, that tells you how old she is. Her name is Betty Lee. So she's 94 or something. I mean, she's amazing. I love her. <laughs> I have uh, one couple in the 90s. They have a little Bichon named Toby. I did him this week, and he's uh, not very good about his grooming. Uh, <laughs> But I don't care because I love these people and they're having troubles. They've moved here probably less than a year ago or maybe it was a year ago. And I've been grooming their dog for probably six or seven times. And the wife was in the hospital for a while and she had fallen. They fought. They're ah. falling. That's what happens. And then and then a couple of weeks ago, the. Um, the husband fell and they were bathing the dog at home, but now they can't do that. So now I've been going and I've been doing pickup and delivery and I've been doing it every two weeks and, and keeping him clean. Well, now they're moving because they have to live in a facility that has better supports. This is just a condo that they have. And it, there's no, there's no supports. They've been having yeah. home health care people come in during the day, but they're alone at night. And this is when the things happen. That's what those places are for. These people are so bright. And so they were professors together at some university, like in Maine. And that's where they met. You know, and they're just they're just so bright and so intact. And I just love them. I get it. You know, and I just would do extra for them. They're just like mine. And they feel the same way towards me. So even though they're moving a little bit further away into a beautiful community with options in the foothills, uh, it's not that much further away from me that I can't provide this pickup and delivery. I'll just do it. I and and the fact that the dog is difficult, really hard to do about his head and stuff, I, I don't want anybody else working on him, you know? I get that way, too. Yeah. I don't want other people doing my difficult dogs because I've worked so hard to get past the problems. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that the two Westies I was talking about? Yeah. One of them, one of them is an escape artist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's take a break. And then we're going to come back with our first appointment, which is about those escape artists. Let me tell you about Best Shot's newest addition to the Ultramax Pro line. Ultramax Hair Hold is a flexible hairspray that can be layered on for a stronger hold. Ultramax Hair Hold Spray is great, but my favorite new product is called the Max, and I won't groom without it. It's a fragrance free, ultra concentrate conditioner and detangler. It reduces drying time and handles undercoat and tangles like magic. Just a few drops in the final rinse or spray it on and dry it in. Contact your favorite Best Shot distributor or learn more online at bestshotpet.com. Grooming success begins with Best Shot in your tub. Made from the best stuff on earth. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. This is always a good topic because it strikes fear into the heart of groomers everywhere. And it's one of those things we have in common. We have responsibility for other people's pets in dangerous situations. Oftentimes, outside going potty or coming from the car to the house, or in my case, from the house to the trailer and back. And one of those stories, but involves those two Westies I was talking about. And I was doing the female. And like I said, across the street, the owners are in their 90s. They're actually the grandparents are in their 90s. The kids are my age. And they work all day. So the dogs spend all day with grandma and grandpa. And I finished the dog on her very first groom in my friendly neighborhood that I grew up in with the family that I know so well. And I thought, she'll go right into the house. I'm just going to put her down and have a look. And she took one look at me and headed up the street and oh, took God. off. Oh, God. And at that moment, I didn't know what house the daughter had moved into. I knew it was in the neighborhood. So I'm calling Betty Lee on the phone saying, Maddie's running away. Maddie's running away. Where does Kimberly live? And Betty Lee says, 
in your bluebird campfire girl house. Go to the Sabatka's house. They bought the Sabatka's house. Go down there. So I'm like, oh God, where was Bluebirds? Where was Bluebirds? And I'm running down the street talking to her on the phone. And she said, well, maybe they'll go to Scott's because she has five kids, right? And they weren't, or four kids. She wasn't at the first house, which was in between the two houses. And I managed to get her all the way at her own house. She went all the way to her own house. <laughs> I ran that whole way, huffing and puffing. <laughs> it was crazy. You had one of these experiences recently, didn't you? Well, yeah, but it wasn't my fault. And in my case, the dog was coming for the first time and never made it in the front door. He escaped the grandmother. The grandmother called in the morning and I returned the call and she said, I I'm taking care of my daughter's dog. I want to bring him in for grooming. He's a schnauzer. And I didn't get it. I didn't do much interrogation. I didn't <laughs> get it that the dog had never been anywhere. The dog is like a pandemic puppy, right? So the dog had never been to the groomer. He'd never been anywhere. And the grandmother was from Colorado down here to take care of the dogs while her daughter had a birthday trip to Europe. Oh, my. I didn't realize all of that. I made the appointment for the dog at the la at the end of the day, three o'clock appointment. When the woman arrived, I was in the process of checking out another dog. In fact, it was my wire fox terrier hand strip puppy that I'm having an extreme behavior problem with. And I had to really get into a serious discussion with that owner. And she's out there, pulls up. And all that I heard was a big shrieking at the door and then nothing. Well, and I am on a boulevard. Yes, you do. Of traffic. Oh, God. Four lanes of traffic. They're now expending it to six lanes, you know? And so it's a high traffic spot. And I, I didn't even know it was the dog. I didn't know what happened. But I finished up my discussion with the Firefox Terrier guy. And then Dave and I noticed there's this car parked out there and nothing happening. And I said, Dave, do you think that's the Schnauzer woman's car? And then that, that little ruckus that we saw had to do with the dog getting away. And he said, that could be. And I <laughs> went outside and I'm looking around and looking around and came back in. And a few minutes later, I went back out and here comes this woman walking up to her car, tears coming down her face. She just like destroyed. Oh, no. She was just... And I'm, I'm saying, oh, please don't have the dog be hit by a car. Well, he wasn't. So oh, thank goodness. the dog's name is Henry. So Henry, she said, first of all, he ran right out into Grant Road. And then oh, there was geez. traffic and he headed back and he went down the side street. That's just one lot over. And that street dead ends into a huge apartment complex where pets are allowed. So I thought, oh, well, maybe Henry will just go down there and snoop around. The females. That dog bolted and he continued running. Oh, no. And it took them a day and a half to catch the dog. Oh, that's after, after three sightings, she marshaled everybody she knew. And a friend of hers made up a poster that she got printed out and put up the next day. First day, the day, the day of the escape, she's running around the neighborhood. Everybody that she meets, she just jots down her phone number on any piece of paper and gives it to him. And she's tacking up little notices here and there. And then she came around the next morning with a full poster. She put it, she did all the right stuff. She put it on the next door email group. I go back in the shop. The customer never made it into my shop. I'm 82 years old. I'm crippled. At the end of the day, my feet are so bad that I can hardly stumble to my car. And my legs feel like wood. Are you saying you can't chase the schnauzer down I'm, the street? I'm saying <laughs> I wanted to jump into action, but I got no jump and I got no action. You know, right. so then Dave says, what should we do? Well, she's, she's gone again already. 
there's no coordination. There's no general. There's no, you know, like we can't just like start running around all looking for the dog. It's not going to happen. It has to be some kind of a a managed search going on. Coordinated coordinated effort, you know. (laughs) But so I just said, you know what? We can't do anything. Let's just close the shop and I'm going to go home the long way and I'll, I'll kind of snake through the whole neighborhood and see if I find them or the dog. And that's what I did. I took about 45 minutes and I just snaked through the whole neighborhood behind my shop and, and just looked into alleyways and stuff like that. It turns out like two days later, she writes me, I texted her the next day saying, you know, ah, you're on my mind. You're in my heart. I'm so worried about you and Henry. And what's worse than losing your own dog, losing your daughter's dog. Yeah, that's a bad one. You know, that was rough. I just, you know, my heart so went out. But she got back to me and she had initiated a coordinated search and she had gotten neighbors involved and they actually the dog was spotted twice and bolted from them again twice and on the the next evening at 10 30 she was in an alleyway in her car where she had treats and she was just like sitting in the seat the driver's seat with the door open and the dog appeared at her side oh that's crazy Oh, I bet she was crying. I'm practically crying. She just held her breath and he he either jumped and she grabbed him in her arms. Ooh. Oh, that is really intense. So what is our responsibility when a dog gets loose on our premises? Certainly, you know, like if the dog had actually escaped from my premises, I would have been driven to more action. On that very same day... I had an escapee also. And being a mobile groomer, it's entirely pretty much your responsibility unless you have the people come out to your vehicle, which some people do come all the way out to the vehicle, especially with cats. I have them bring the cats out. I have a two-dog house, a little American Eskimo and a Havanese mix. And I go in there without the people. It's a latchkey house. And I open the garage door. I have the key to the house or I can go in the garage door. And I went in the garage door because I needed to plug into their outlet. And the dogs are in an X pen. And I walked over there and I thought, okay, who's going to be first? And they were so excited to see me. And I opened the door and I leaned over to pick up Milo and Belle, the Havanese mix, ran out between my legs and headed into the neighborhood. Luckily, it's an enclosed gated neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So he, she couldn't have gotten that far, but these are both rescue dogs. The, the American Eskimo came from Korea and he's been there for like a year and a half now. And then Belle came from a local shelter, but was flown in from California. It's not like they have any ties. And these people have moved twice since they got these dogs Mm. into their own permanent house. So I didn't know what was going to happen. And Belle runs from me anyway in the house. Like she'll head upstairs and go underneath the desk and sit there and wait. She's not exactly a fan of the grooming process. <laughs> Although afterwards she is a fan of mine and the treats, but not the process. So I thought, oh crap, oh crap, what am I going to do? And so I'm of course at her house, which is an advantage. And I ran around the side of the house and she had gotten to the place where the fence meets yeah. and she couldn't get any farther. So I thought, this is a dog who has maybe two brain cells. There might be a third one in there that she doesn't use. It's saved for reserve. And I thought, I bet if I walk up to the door, she'll forget who I am and come running up. And that's exactly what I did. I walked up and I opened the door and she came flying past me into the house. And I closed the house. My heart was racing. This could have gone badly because there is traffic. Not a lot. Not like your road. But I think it depends on who's the one bringing the dog in because I oftentimes see, and one of the things I look for with owners is 
are they too trusting of their dog? And it doesn't matter if we're in their own neighborhood. Sometimes they just open the front door and let the dog out. The minute the dog sees me, it's like, oh boy, there's Susie. Oh shit, there's Susie. And they turn around and take off. And they're not going to come to the owner either at that point because they don't want to have anything to do with me or them. So that's happened a couple of times too. So watching for that and trying to head that off at the pass is helpful. But you weren't even out there when she opened the car door. So there was no way for you guys to have really any responsibility in that one. Yeah, I, I, I didn't feel like it, it had entered the responsibility zone. Although I did feel compassion and compassion impelled some kind of action, you know. Right. But I couldn't compel Dave. <laughs> Who had to, to go running down, to go the, road. Running down the road, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, she didn't even step inside and say, help, help. You know, yeah. she just took off after the dog. And she got way far away before she had to turn around and walk back. And actually, she got picked up in a car by a neighbor, you know, who took her around for her first looking for Henry. And um, I think brought her back to the shop. It requires a conversation with the owner. It, and it's excruciating. Oh, it's horrible. Then, so then the the upshot was, then she made a, after the dog was found and everything, she made an appointment for the following Friday, which would have been this Friday, to have the dog groomed. But she canceled it because she didn't even want to risk taking that dog out. She just said that her daughter would have to come back and make an appointment. And, you know, then her daughter will probably make an appointment with me because they picked me for my schnauzer grooming. But, yeah, you know, like it was just a combination of things of of an unsocialized puppy with a family member that was not closely connected you know, oh, and he slipped the harness. That's the key. He slipped the harness. And that's the key, you know, like these owners don't want to be cruel to the dog. So they leave the gear really too loose. The collar are too loose on the dog. Never trust the owner's gear. Yeah, I had that happen one time. I had I had an old English sheepdog and he had a braided leather leash with a, just like a regular snap. And I took him to the side of the building for a potty break and he broke the snap and went right into Grant Road. But it was in the old days, we used to have a school zone right in front of my shop and everybody had to slow down. So it was a slow-mo kind of an emergency. And two co-eds from the close by university came by in a small sedan and one of them just stuck her arm out the window and grabbed the dog. Oh, that's lucky. (laughs) Wow. Now that one would have been on me. For sure. And that was my lesson, never to trust the owner's gear. Yes, for sure. And you watch it happen because the owners trust their own gear. You know, they think everything's fine and no big deal to go to the beauty parlor, right? It's not the same, though. And the dogs will bolt or or freeze and then they pull on them and everything pops off. So the safeguard for that, of course, is the kennel lead or the slip lead. And in in places where you're responsible for boarding dogs and you don't have an exterior fence around your property, two kennel leads or slip leads is really the way to go. And even when I'm carrying a dog from the house to the trailer, I have a slip lead on the dog. Yep. I'm afraid. I don't ever want to be responsible for that. Maddie was the crowning blow and I can't believe I did it again with Belle. How stupid of me. If you're in a shop like you are, I think one of the ways to protect against it for yourself, first some signage so that People don't just walk in with their dogs loose because another thing that will happen is people will come into your shop and they'll walk into the greeting area and set their dog down. And then someone walks in and opens the door and boom, out goes the dog again. So double doors and an entryway, that's like the surefire thing. You know, you yeah, have I don't have, come in. I don't have that, now, but I, and not everybody can do that, but at least you've got partitions that separate at least I do. Yeah, I, at least I do. And I think that's important. And right now I have a slat missing in the half gate that's from the back of the 
kind of my grooming room. There's so there's three sections, and I'm in the middle section, and in the right. back is the bathing and the other groomers table, and in the front is the retail. So um, there's now a slat missing missing from the gate between the center room and the back room, and my little my little dog, little, <laughs> whose name is Little. Yes. She can go right through uh, that opening. She it didn't take her long to figure it out. <laughs> so um yeah. you know, but I think uh, so I have to get somebody I have to fix that because if they see an opening and they'll use it. That, that's that, right. Dogs are they're opportunistic. They're opportunistic, yeah. They're gonna yeah. take advantage of whatever chance they get. And uh yeah, so it's a horrible thing, but it it is our responsibility to make them as safe as possible and to protect ourselves from having any of these accidents. And I think don't trust the owner's gear is the biggest takeaway from that. And then educate the people is I have cat people who have indoor cats who insist on carrying the cat out without a carrier, which is exactly why I have a carrier. Oh, I had somebody like that. Oh, it drove me nuts. Yeah, it's really beautiful dangerous. cat, and she would not. Yeah, I said, you know, like, uh, uh, uh. I've seen cats get away more than dogs at the vet hospital when they're coming in for treatment, and people just don't think about it. They bring them in a pillowcase, but don't tie off the top, or they have a carrier that the front isn't quite as sturdy as it was when they bought it, and the cat pushes, and boom, out they go, and you've lost your cat. And in the case of the second vet hospital I worked at, it was in a shopping center, and the cat went out and got hit. And it's horrible for you. It's horrible for the people who own the business. It's just something that needs to be prevented. So I won't take cats unless they're in a carrier now. I make people go in with my carrier and bring their cat out, which is, yeah, the point of carrying a carrier. I think after this conversation, I was thinking that I could do would be to, in my case, I have treats at the at the first counter. And I often, when I'm meeting a new dog, go in there and pick out a treat and give it to the the dog. But I think I need to up that. And every time a dog comes to that gate, I need to give it a treat. Good idea. So that so that if they come in the building, they're going to come to the counter and get to get their treat. If or at least they will associate coming in more with getting their treat. I have a downside to my situation. And that's my dog, Little. Right, the guard dog. Little is a security dog. That's why she sometimes wears a little shirt that says security. But there's a little peephole. It's a big knot hole in the, in the bottom of the gate to the front area. And she sticks her nose through there and she barks at any dog that comes in. And so that's a deterrent. Yes, definitely. Well, you know. Um, just for extra credit on my behavior class, which, uh, by the way, Chrissy is having another beginning behavior cycle. So if you are interested in becoming a master groomer behavior specialist, which is what I'm doing, go to Chrissy Newmeyer Smith's website at uh, creatinggreatgroomingdogs.com and you can learn all about that. I mean, really, it's worthwhile if you're interested in behavior at all. What you're doing is called creating a conditional conditioned emotional response. So Chrissy, if you could give me extra credit for that, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's take another break here and listen to one of our sponsors. And then we're going to come back and Barbara's going to tell us about styling sprays. Hey, Chris Bear Anthony here. You may know I've been swiveling for years now with my beloved evolution shears, but I wasn't actually born with a pair of swivel shears in my hands. Check out our website and Facebook page for our library of how-to videos or give me a shout for a personalized guide. Your hands will thank you. Don't forget, GroomPod listeners get $10 off and free shipping with the code GroomPod. What are you waiting for? Give them a try today. Groomers, take your seats. School is about to begin. 
When you're talking about styling sprays, what exactly are you referring to? What category of products? Well, styling sprays are hairsprays. And what's happened is that the category of hairspray, let's just look at the human category. It's exploded. Styling aids, mousses, gels, sprays has just blossomed in the last 10 years. I mean, it's like, where could they go? They went into there and that a whole marketplace. Now the shelves are full of them. And there's, in terms of what has drifted into the pet area, it's usually either workable sprays or super hold sprays. Those are two kind of different types of hairsprays. Workable sprays are sprays that you can spray on the coat and comb and brush and layer it in to get more or less hold. And holding sprays are those that you spray on the finished coiffed hair to just like leave it perfect so that the dog can go through the agility course and not a hair out of place, right? Right. So um, there's not a whole lot of difference in the ingredients. It's really kind of the amount of acrylates copolymer that's in there, the sticky stuff that's in there, because all these sprays do some version of the same thing, is they stick hair, individual hair strands together to either volumize it or to stiffen it so that it doesn't move. I remember the granny glue and stuff like that. So the granny glue, that falls more into the naked a helmet, a hair helmet. The ingredients, the working ingredients of these hairsprays are all called hair fixatives. Oh. You know, so we learned a, a few weeks ago, we learned about fragrance fixatives. Right. I remember that. These are now hair fixatives and they're more to keep hair fixed in place. The one that I'm most recently kind of re- in relationship with is the eye groom scissoring spray. I really like this stuff. And it's a workable spray that kind of has a memory. I use it to work on puffs and top knots and the you know, balls of tail and stuff like that. And it's it's very good for shaping because it will attempt to return to the shape that you're trying to get. So if you're doing the tail and you hit it with this spray and you can brush through it and it becomes having more, much more body, but still wanting to take that round shape that you're going for. The Igram styling spray is really a, a good one, as is the Best Shot Max spray that can be layered in there and brushed or combed, and you can then reform it, and you can make it be stiffer and stiffer the more that you use. So are you saying that like the flexible one from iGroom that you can scissor over it and it's not going to really wreck your scissors? Yeah, it's probably not going to wreck your scissors, but anytime you scissor over sprays or uh, powders or products, mousses, gels, you should wipe down your scissors with alcohol to just remove any sticky residue that might be in there that would then gradually dull your shears. It's just a good thing to keep in mind that you should, before you put your scissors away, just wipe them down with a a swipe of alcohol. Okay. The latest ingredient that I noticed in looking at some of the kind of newer hairsprays is called AMP hyphen acrylates, AMP acrylates copolymer. Copolymer meaning many parts, right? Monomer, one part. So copolymers are more complex, integrated, married molecules. Yeah. Yeah. So these are the fanciest hair fixatives, the AMP acrylates copolymer. And um, you just see it in some of the more advanced and more newer hairsprays. Something to look for in it. I think it's a less sticky or tacky alternative. The original options for groomers were pretty much 
Chris Christensen thick and thicker spray, which was a workable spray, and then Chris Christensen super hold. That was the final fix. I just generally went to Sally Beauty or to the dollar store and bought some hairspray. Is it different or is it the same? It's the same. Okay. You know, it's the same. There's probably more individual differences between products than there is any difference between human and animal hair fixative sprays, right? Right. Now I'm on to the Ultramax hair hold spray because it's so rare. Westy heads and occasional creative styling that I do are really the only two reasons because I don't do a lot of poodles. Now I've got a standard poodle and a toy poodle. So I guess I'll probably use it on that as well. I think it's worth it when you're trying to scissor a shape, when you're trying to sculpt, you know, when you're just scissoring length, that's a different thing. But sometimes what happens in in my salon is that the shampoos and conditioner that we use can overly soften a coat that I want to cut or sculpt. Like, say, a Bichon coat that I want to kind of, I want it to, you know, the Bichon coat should have spring to it. You should be able to pat it and it kind of bounces back into shape, right? It has spring to it. But if you're using too much conditioner on it, or like a conditioning shampoo plus a conditioner, you can get it to be too soft. It's still fluffy, but it has no spring. And that makes it harder to really shape it real nice. And to get that teddy bear finish, that plush animal finish. Yeah, that plush animal finish. So then you would, you would, you can counteract that by using your Ultramax spray or your eye groom scissoring spray to kind of give it some body and oomph. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I love to use, I mean, I like to, on the Westy heads, I like to use a mousse and then use a spray for the last part of it. I like to use a mousse and dry it in there so that I get a fuller, mousse is great for creating volume. And it starts to give the hair some body as well. And then at the end, I will spray the crown and lift it with my comb. And so there's a lifted crown that kind of helps make a round head. And for that, would you just like layer on the Ultramax or the eye groom spray? Or would you go ahead and choose the more shell-like shellac i use the shellac i i use more of the more stiffer spray to do that but you need to spray and immediately lift the hair with the comb don't let it dry in place or it won't create any lift so you go in there with your comb and you actually lift up sections of the hair kind of front to back when you're doing the bathing process Is that a good opportunity to use like show season results rinse as your final rinse before you then start the building of the crown? You can do that. You can do that if the hair doesn't need a lot of condition. Right. Rather than ending up with the floppy over-conditioned stuff. Right. I like that stuff, that results rinse. It's a good product. All right. Anything else we should know about the whole styling spray genre? I want want to emphasize that there's no big reason to spend a lot more money on a pet spray than a human spray. But if you're competitively grooming, you might want some of the higher quality products. But if you're doing them like me, where you've got one dog every six weeks that you throw some hairspray in, I think the dollar store works fine. And I get the little ones, the travel size, because, it, you know, they clog up if they sit around and get rusty in your grooming trailer for too long. <laughs> With any spray that has hair fixative, which is sticky stuff, it's a good thing to wash off the nozzle with hot water every so often. Yeah. You know, good plan. Or you can wipe it off with the alcohol wipe that you used to wipe down your scissors with. Wipe off the nozzle to the hairspray because, yeah, it will close up with the very stuff that you're trying to spray out. So there is also a difference between pump spray and aerosol spray. I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. 
It's the size of the droplets. It is the size of the droplets. Oh, I get a gold star. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And also, the aerosol has to have more chemicals in there to propel the aerosol mist. So it's a little bit what you would call less natural, more chemical. Uh, But it will give you a finer, less sticky result. Also, you're getting a very teeny tiny amount of product in that aerosol compared to what you get in a bottle. Oh, yeah. Amen. You're just really spending more on the aerosol. Since I'm genetically cheap, those things are important to me. You are. (laughs) It's terrible. It's terrible. You know, like, (laughs) I know. I know. See, and other people just want to use everything Artero. Right. You know, (laughs) because it's Italian and they're good looking Italian guys that sell that stuff. Totally. You know, and... uh, You know, and some of our best competition groomers are in the Artero team. Very much. So, you know, like, so everybody wants to use just the Artero. Well, I think even Artero has a pump spray now. Yeah, good. But, you know, it's an alternative. I use both. Yep. I go back and forth as well. Like I say, I've got that dollar store stuff in there, but I'm pretty much using the Ultramax hair hold spray primarily these days. If you want a one size fits all. Yeah. That's a good product. I like one size fits all, by golly. I hate a unitasker. Me and Alton Brown, the the chef, we don't like those unitaskers. We like things that do more than one thing in my environment. So, all right. Hey, I think we've got a lovely show that I can edit and make beautiful. So what do you say we call it a day, Barbara? Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Thanks for being here, you guys. And if you have questions that you want me to answer or Susie to answer, go to the Groom Pod discussion group on Facebook and ask us there, and uh, we'll get it. And it's right there in front of our face. We'll ha- it helps us to remember questions. And I always would rather respond to a question in a group setting than do one on one on one. You know, it's just more economical and it shares information yeah it shares information and and so that's one way to get questions to us or things that you would like us to discuss on the groom pod we love having your suggestions and interaction and all of it it just is so much more engaging when you guys are out there asking us questions and giving us comments and sharing your information and before i forget because i do forget If you go to Facebook and you search for the Groom Pod, we've got the Groom Pod discussion group, but the Groom Pod also has its own Facebook group. When I post an episode of the Groom Pod, it immediately goes to that Facebook group and you can listen to it there and it will alert you that I've posted a podcast in case you don't already have a subscription or a podcatcher that organizes your stuff. So occasionally, like especially for the last couple of weeks, I forgot to share the episode Facebook wide, but it always pops up on that particular page and will alert you to Susie being lazy and forgetting to share <laughs> and the fact that there are episodes going up. So that's it. All right. Thanks guys. Happy grooming. See you next week on the groom pod. Bye-bye now. Take care of yourselves. We love you. Summer is the season where we are likely to find dried out coats. And show season has a special shampoo and conditioner called Honey Pet. Honey Pet shampoo and conditioner is made with Manuka honey as an additive and also almond oil. And it's excellent in hydrating the coat. It also smells real good. And it comes with a matching conditioner that contains the manuka honey, the almond oil, the sunflower oil, triglycerides, and a little dash of dimethicone, which assists in combing and brushing the coat. Find information about this and all the show season products at showseasongrooming.com.